How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Mm, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Keep it going. No. No. That, no, that was it. That was really good, though. Yeah. yeah. But you, know, you know, sometimes, sometimes the staccato... I don't know what that means. It means <laughs> I've heard it. It means quick and pithy. Yes. Not, and that's what it was. It was actually very effective. You I'm know not why? sure that was quick and pithy. Well, it was pithy. It's pithy enough. <laughs> um, and the reason I think it was effective is because people were not expecting it. I certainly wasn't. Let's introduce our in-studio guests. Yes. Do it. So we have two guests, but only one of them is staying for a little bit, and one of them is staying for a lot longer. So I'm just going to tell you about the, the guy who's just staying for a few minutes is Mike Moresco, who's going to be talking about opioids. And we have Tyson. Tyson, how, what's the best way to pronounce your last name? Sonnenberg. Because sometimes they say Sonnenberg. 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 Yeah. Sun. Yeah. As in the sun. As in the sun. And Tyson is here. I like that. Tyson. Do you think that was your, was that your parents' idea? Did they put that together? Well, yeah. Tyson's I mean, son? Yeah, I don't know why they came up with the name Tyson. They no. named him, so I guess it would be their well, idea. Well, I hope right? so, right. Yeah. But we're going to be talking about type 1 diabetes and all the incredible work that you're doing with that and the race that's coming up and yes. all that. It's going to be great. But first, I, I, asked, I asked Mike Moresco, who's our town manager of Marshfield, to come in really to talk about what's happening tomorrow night. So I'm just going to pass that right over to you, Mike. Great. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we have the fourth annual Opiate Awareness Vigil that will take place tomorrow evening at the uh, Town Green at 6 o'clock. And I hope that a lot of folks come out. This is very important. It's being sponsored by the Marshfield Drug Task Force. And uh, it's really to draw attention to the terrible crisis that's out there with people that are addicted to opiates. Yeah. And uh, well, this year, you'll, when you go and you see the purple flags, there are 1,000. 977 flags, wow. which represent, that's how many people uh, died uh, in Massachusetts this year. So wow. it's very tragic. Oh, just it's a very year. tragic issue. Just this no. year? Just this year. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, it's terrible. Uh, we, we, there's there's going to be a, uh, so the event's really to draw attention to it. Uh, it's to act as prevention. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll be some uh, people talking about what the signs are, what to look for, how you can prevent it. Uh, you know, addiction is still a stigma. People don't want to talk about it. They don't want to recognize it. And the Marshall Drug Task Force hopes that this event draws attention. So that's the first thing is to draw attention. Second thing is the prevention. If people see it, recognize it. If it's, you know, if it's predictable, it's preventable. A good friend of mine said that. I actually credit Phil Tavares, our chief of police, for Phil, that. Phil, uh, You know, he's fantastic, and, and he's right about that. And yeah. I think that that's, that fits right in. So... Um, along with that, uh, I've made provisions uh, on behalf of the Board of Selectmen. Uh, we're going to be illuminating uh, Town Hall, both on the Snow Road side and the Moraine Street side in purple from 7 to midnight. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very solemn, you know, it's in recognition of people that have passed away. But I think it's also hopeful that uh, having a program like this, having some great speakers. Of course, Dr. Joe, you'll be there, one of our, one of the speakers, to talk about the great success story you have with Drug Story Theater. 
Uh, there'll be folks that um, had, uh, you know, the part of their life they had tragedy yeah. tied directly toward the opiate uh, problem. And then we'll have, uh, we have our fire chief, our police chief. The MC for the evening is uh, Superintendent Jeff Granatino. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we have a number of folks that are going to be there. Uh, you know, we're doing it early enough that people can come on their way to dinner, come there, come to the program, uh, come and listen, yeah. uh, and then people can go off and, and uh, do what they want to do. It's, you know, it's uh, the Friday of a long weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, and I think it's nice just to pull the community together uh, for an event like this. Yeah, and I think I think it's wonderful that the task force has been doing this. This is the fourth year. Fourth year, right? that's correct, yeah. And, and, and I think it says something. It just shows that the opioid crisis isn't going away. I mean, it's our fourth year. The opioid crisis has been here longer than that, really. And I know that there's some data that will be presented tomorrow that the death rate in the state has actually decreased, and I think that that's a good thing. But it's a bit misleading because we have this incredible way to save lives called Narcan. And Narcan is out there for a lot of people. I'm not convinced the overdose rate has gone down yet, but I'm so delighted that the death rate has gone down because, you know, folks like Phil Tavares and our police force here and police forces and first responders and citizens uh, have been saving lives. And it's really, it's really an important thing. I think I think you're correct. We'll hear more about that, um, and we're very fortunate. Uh, you know, both uh, the police vehicles and all of our fire vehicles, the ambulances, all carry that. So, yeah. and there are a lot of citizens and, and first responders, nurses, and people that have it because they want to be helpful and right. they want to save lives. Right. And you know, it's interesting because because we're focusing on the opioid crisis, but I want to bring Tyson into this room because type one diabetes has been around. I mean, as probably as long as human beings have been around and yet people aren't seeing that as a crisis and yet it's affecting millions and millions and millions of people as well yeah i mean it's definitely a crisis i mean it's increased uh, the incidence of type 2 diabetes is increasing but so is type 1 and uh you know back in the day type 1 used to be thought as uh, genetic uh, but that's not really the case um that's misleading so i think uh it's it's definitely it's you need more awareness Right. You know, and that's what it comes down to, is awareness of what the disease is, where it comes from, and, wh- and what it takes to, to take care of it. Yeah. A- and yet, we were, and Mark, Mark and I were talking about this the other day. Mark had the insight, right, about the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And right. I just want to bring that in, because type 2 diabetes, I think, carries a bit of a stigma. Type yeah. 1 diabetes may not be recognized that it's growing in, in, in urgency, because we need to do something about it. But type two diabetes also been around, um, so that's that's increasing too, right? Yeah, I mean, I think type two diabetes is tied in with um, the sedentary lifestyle that we live, and then uh, and then also with the with the intake that is increased. So I think there's an increase in type two diabetes just based on you know how how we're living, but it's I mean it's also genetic. So I think because there's an increase uh, in that you know I think there's more push because there's more people getting diagnosed, but there's also more people getting diagnosed with type one. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's you know, few people in Marshfield that just got diagnosed recently, um, like not in the family. So it's not really genetic anymore. Yeah. But, but on both cases, there's definitely some some environmental factors that are coming into play for both type one and type two. Right. You know. So it's just it really just is a it's a it's awareness um, about how it can happen. It's also it's also nice to be aware of the symptoms so that I mean, there's there's people the folks that have died from from type one diabetes because of they're not not knowing the symptoms and you know not being diagnosed correctly right because they have it's like flu-like symptoms for some for some people yeah which is scary 
which is scary because yeah. y you know you may have something like that and you don't even know but we know enough about the type 1 and type 2 diabetes and how we can begin treating it and with the opioid crisis and substance abuse really we're just at the very beginning uh, of that pathway how do we treat these things that's why Narcan is so incredible remember Narcan isn't a treatment for addiction but it can certainly save lives because it, it reverses the opioid overdose okay. at least for some people so let's let's back up a little bit uh, first actually the first question I have is how did you come up with the name renegade run it's a good question um, seven years ago I mean we we had done a couple of races ourselves, uh, and we wanted to be something that was, we wanted to be a little different. Uh, we had done like Tough Mudders and Spartans and um, Ruckus, Ruckus and uh, yeah, yeah, that's a bad thing. That's Fond a bad, bad memory for, uh, for Mark there. Oh, um, <laughs> Ruckus. Wanna, that sounds like a story for another show, uh, yeah, Mark. Yeah, uh, Look forward, you uh, are some grinning. I wish yeah, hope you guys could stuff. see his face. Yeah. Okay, go on, okay. Um, yeah, so I think we just, we were kind of just brainstorming after we decided we were gonna do an obstacle race as a fundraiser we we just came up we were just coming up with names um renegade just stuck stuck with us and it started as one. renegade run and then we added in obstacle course race uh after a couple of years just so people had a better understanding of, of if that was uh not just a run it was an obstacle course race too so so there's there really an obstacle oh course yes race? yeah 20, 20 plus, right? 22? 25 plus, yeah. We have 25. between 25 and 28 obstacles. It's hardcore. Yeah. There's no like electric, you know, electric shock or mud or, or anything. fires. Or fire. There's no yeah, fires. Do that. Unless, it's, unless it's like. Unless <laughs> You're looking starts. perplexed, Dr. Joe. Are no, you not familiar I, no, with no, this, no, this no, athletic? I, I, uh, well, look at me. You know, I, I will be soon. Yeah. You know, I'm still losing weight, guys. Still on the eye diet. 2019. Well, Susan Roberts. Well, obstacles, you know, they present the obstacles that a type 1 diabetic faces. Right. That's right. You know? And that's what I love about that metaphor. Because yeah. yeah. it yeah. is an obstacle. Yeah, I mean, all, all of life is. Well, yeah. it, and and how do we get through that? By doing things that you that you're doing, that's and by right. having people support you, and be being part of a team. That's yeah. that's our whole idea, right? You control yeah. no one, you influence everyone. Yeah, it's part of the I am. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Exactly. And what an influence you are. So let's talk about type one versus type two. Educate, educate yes, my please. audience. So type one used to be known as juvenile diabetes. It was it was thought to be something that was genetic, and you were you were it was developed as as an adolescent, you know, as a child. I was diagnosed at 21 in college. Um, I it wasn't in the family, so it was a complete shock. I actually went on WebD WebMD when I was in school with a lot of the symptoms. I just had um, major shoulder surgery, so uh, you know it was weight loss, urinating all the time, constant thirst. Then it was like blurry vision. And then so I was looking at all these symptoms and it was like type 1 diabetes. And so I'm talking to my mother and she's like, no, there's no way. It's not in the family. And then she, she called the orthopedic surgeon to ask if it was like, you know, something from the surgery. And he was like, nope. So she said, I right, go to the hospital. So my roommate took me and I guess I gave the, the nurse all my symptoms. And she goes, yep, that's type 1. Wow. And she said, so this is 2001, okay, 17 years ago. She said, okay, you got the short straw. So at that point, it what was still, well, because at that point it was meant, it was thought to be, you know, genetic and also, you know, juvenile. So at 21 and not in the family, it was like, what's happening? Right, right. But we're not there anymore. I mean, in the 17 years I've had it, I mean, I have known multiple people that are getting diagnosed at 30, 40, you know, late 20s, 50. Really? 50. With type 1. And not, not just in the two. family. And kids getting diagnosed uh, mm. with it, not in the family. So my theory is that there's a lot of people that have this these autoantibodies and something is setting them off. Okay, like, wait, you got to back up. Yep. Because that's so 
So, for folks, do you know what an autoantibody is? No. No, I didn't think so. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell them so, about so an, an, we're not talking about an, we're not talking about an, an antibody for a car right. or like a body shop thing. It's not an auto right. antibody. That we knew. So now, yeah. I just want to be sure. I'm speaking for our listeners. Yeah, Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah. So the, so we have we all have antibodies that are good and right. they fight things. So this is an auto antibody. So it's like not good. Yeah. It's fighting. It's fighting. It's killing the things that are fighting off disease. So there's there's you know cells that are killing the good cells. Yep. That's basically what happens in a type one diabetic. So so this autoantibody, which actually my daughter was, um, she was diagnosed in October, um, unfortunately. Mm. So, but we knew she had the autoantibodies. We had her tested in family history, and they tested her, and she had all five autoantibodies that they test for diabetes. So there's a test for these things here. So you can say, okay, yep, she's gonna get it. Wow. And so something, like I said, something sets off to to make these autoantibodies attack the cells and kill off the the insulin producing cells. So I think that the envi like the environmental factors. Um, or setting them off, like, like so, what? Um, stress is one thing. Um, you know, like I had the, the major so shoulder surgery, so it could have been the fact that I had the sh surgery. Um, my daughter had uh, canker sores, so it was a virus in the canker sores set it off. I've heard of people that have, you know, just have a cold or flu, but something so people can live with the auto antibodies and not, not get diagnosed, not trigger them. Well, they might yeah. not be activated, right? Yeah. They, like they may only have one or two of them. So, so let me back up a little further, just just for our audience, just in case folks don't understand what what this is. So, part of our body uh, makes something called insulin, yep. right? And they, it's in the it's fancy in the islets of Langerhans, right? Yep. In the pancreas, and insulin is basically a transport molecule. So insulin is designed and has evolved so that it takes a particular chemical, which is glucose, which is sugar, and it transports it into the cells because the cells need energy, right? And the glucose is the energy. Right. So that's what, what happens. So we all have, you know, this ability to make insulin. Insulin then takes the sugar and puts it into the cell and it's great and everybody's happy. But in diabetes, something goes perhaps not wrong, but it's a, it's, it's a different I am. Remember, right. everything's doing the best it can. So for some reason, in type one diabetes, our body says, wait a second, this insulin thing doesn't belong here. And it's completely, I mean, am I right? It's just, it's just completely befuddled. It doesn't make sense that it does that but it does that and it starts killing off the ability to either make the cells themselves or affect the transport molecule. Or well, how does it, it actually even, work? Well, the, the island of Langerhans is actually, it kills off those, it kills them off so they can't produce insulin at all. That's right. Um, so in, in type two diabetes, it's more or less what you're talking about where it's, it kind of messes up with the transport molecule. Right, like an so, insulin resistance. Right, so type two diabetics, they, some, some, um, not all, still produce insulin, but it doesn't. It just doesn't work properly. Right. Type one, there's like nothing happening. That's it's like, right. You know, it's sleeping, um, and so with um, so some of the research, they're finding out that there's very little activity still, but just not enough to really do anything. It's kind of like a, a car is just idling, and you know, it's got it's there. But the type two is they right. the insulin resistance. But that is key. What you just said is that the research is showing that there's a little activity but not enough to do something. So right. that implies that if the researchers can figure out how to enhance that activity or prevent whatever is stopping that activity, some folks may actually recover from type 1 diabetes. Right, so uh, that's, um, 
Dr. Faustman has found that the uh, BCG vaccine is, um, that's a vaccine that was used for tuberculosis and cured it in this country. So she had found that uh, with, with the right dosage, it actually, the BCG will kind of kill off the cells that are killing off the insulin producing cells. Interesting. And Isn't then, that interesting? Yeah, yeah. and in, the, uh, in a few uh, of her, um, her patients already, people that are in the trial, they've found that it's, they've had, had normalized blood sugars um, with a few doses uh, and over a long time. It takes a while because you have to, you know, have so many years of, of research. But you know, there was a few people in her trial that actually their normalized blood sugars, uh, some with still with some insulin. But at the end of the day, the, the A1C, the normalized A1C is what's going to prevent the complication. So it's it's well, a step well, towards well, well, well. a cure. But you brought in another term. A1C. So tell them what an A1C is. <laughs> so an A1C is your average glucose for over a three-month period. Yeah. So uh, if your sugars, are, you know, so obviously a, a normal uh, person's di uh, A1C is like below five, five and a half at most, but you know, four point seven or whatever. They want um, a diabetic, you know, I'm, I'm, as a type one, they want you a little bit higher, like a you know seven. Uh, type twos, they probably want you closer to like the six, six and a half. Um, so that's so that's what it looks at. Is, and they say actually, I was at a conference this summer, and they showed us a chart. It said type one diabetics, like when your A1C is is from from you know five to seven you know the complications are here when it goes from seven to eight it goes up a little bit and then you know over eight they see the rise in complications you know amputation blindness neuropathy um you know and then our heart failure is the number one uh, killer right. with diabetes so so the goal is a normal a1c right you know with you know with with insulin with some insulin whatever without insulin obviously it would be great but um that's what the the ultimate goal is for for a diabetic you know, with their care, because you know, if it's too low, that means you're having low blood sugar, and too high, obviously, that's you know, the swings are really what's the worst thing. So let let's just recap for a moment. So the symptoms that you experienced, 21, they were uh, having to go to the bathroom all the time, yep. being thirsty, losing weight, yep, and then having blurred vision. Blurred vision, and yeah, major fatigue. Um, there was uh, some vomiting after one meal. Yeah, just um, and and how long did that go on for before you said it was whoa? A it was a few weeks. A few it weeks. It was a few weeks, and I uh, I think that once the blurred vision came into play, like there was you know one night where it was just wicked tired, and then I think the blurred vision started, and then you know we have the dry mouth and and all that and all that stuff, and it was yeah. just it was probably probably like three weeks, and right, and it know. just presents and, like that, and and, yeah. and these are the classic symptoms: increased thirst and urination, weight loss. And blurred vision those are really class and then the fatigue yeah classic classic symptoms unusual to be starting at 21 we certainly know plenty of kids really young kids and then in their teens usually what age is it presenting well yeah, it used to be I mean, called juvenile onset diabetes yeah, right. you know so it can be you can be really young two three years old but oh wow there's, there's been babies diagnosed right. for like six months and that's then, right yeah and then 12 or 13 right I mean, so my daughter was uh, five, five and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really depends. And the, so the problem becomes when it's like not in the family. This, you know, you may have an issue where, you know, you go to the doctor and they're not, they don't test the blood because right. oh, no, it's not in the family. It's probably the flu. It's probably some kind of virus. And at the end of the day, it takes one finger stick. That's like right. I have, like I have my little meter in my pocket. Yeah. Take my meter out and check the blood sugar, and it's like that's it. That's as easy as it is. But again. If it's not in the family, it's still one of those things where no, it can't be diabetes, you know, because you're not. It's not in your family, you know. It's just you know, let's wait a little while, and because they have the flu-like symptoms, you know, fatigue, you know, tired and, and thirsty, right, and right. Rested up. Non-specific yeah. symptoms. So, um, 
we've gone over the symptoms that you had. So what kind of treatment are you taking? So so when I was first diagnosed, I was on um, on insulin syringe shots. Um, I got up to the point, I was up to the point where I was taking eight shots a day uh, just for insulin. So every time you ate. So let me ask, yep. so what... What was your blood sugar when when they? When I was diagnosed, I was like I think I was it was actually fairly low, but I was I had um, I was in what they called diabetic ketoacidosis. Oh, yeah. Is that um, diabetic shock? Um, that... Not not so much. It's it's close, uh, close. but it really yeah. is like your your blood your um your urine you're spilling blood uh, protein in your in your urine, so it's not really good. It basically means like none of your like your organs aren't working the way they should be. Got it. And it, the, if you let that go for a while, then you talk about diabetes like a coma. Um, so I was only in the on the high 400s. Only everything. in the f- yeah. high 400. Right. And um, for the for the listeners there, you're supposed to be like between 80 and 120. Right. Uh, so because I was staying hydrated, um, mm. so the the DKA they call it for short is is really what the what is situation I want to be in. Right. DKA so, is diabetic ketoacidosis. DKA. Yeah. Go ahead. So um, they just I was in the hospital and they they just they, they pump fluids and then they start you on insulin. Uh, I think I was lucky to I wouldn't say lucky, but I was I was ended up being in a room with uh, a type two diabetic that was in. It was in the hospital for to get a, um, a toe amputated. Mm. So that was my welcome to diabetes. Yeah. Wow. So I was in there with like for like three days with him, and then the three days. I mean, you're learning. Like, you're learning as much information in three days as I learned like my entire high school career. It's just nonstop. You know, endocrinologists, which which um, deal with the diabetes alone, uh, nutritionists. Um, you know, it, it's it's just it's not, nurses just nonstop learning all the stuff like how to how to check your blood sugar, you know, what number you want to be, uh, how to use a syringe. so overwhelming at oh, 21. Totally, totally. At any age, but, you know, but I mean, you're going about your life, living your right. life, doing fine, and yeah. boom. Yeah, and my, my mother came in. She, my mother was in, so I was out at UMass Amherst, and my, my mother actually was in town because my sister was graduating that weekend. And so she, my sister and my mother came up from Springfield, and I was when I was in the hospital. They're you know they're freaking out. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. So I, I I had that reproach of like, yeah, it is what it is. Like I got to deal with it. Um, but it was definitely frustrating. I remember being very frustrated in the hospital when I was trying to learn all this stuff because, you know, if you if you don't put the syringe in right, it can be painful. Um, checking your finger, like the finger sticks, if sometimes you don't get enough blood for the test strip, and it's like very frustrating because you're poking yourself like four times before you get enough blood. It's like, come on, seriously, like, come out, come out. Right. And, and um, plus, you know, in that position, you're dehydrated, so, you know, nurses can't find, you know, they can't, can't find IVs. the veins. Yeah, so that was painful. Uh, but I think, but it is overwhelming. And I'll tell you something, I forgot all about it until my daughter was diagnosed. Mm. I mean, talk about a total whirlwind. Oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I listened to it, um, but my, I couldn't, I can't imagine what my wife is going through. Right. You know, just so much. Um, and I had never hated the disease until my daughter was diagnosed. Hmm. I had always looked at it as it is what it is. Um, I'm gonna deal with it, and then right. as soon as it, it hit, you know, a kid, and you can imagine what happens when your kid gets sick. Right. You know, you hate, okay. and I don't like to use that word. Excuse me, I, I don't. But I literally that whole weekend, and I, I've gone on support groups now. I'm like, I've never, you know, I've never had that feeling before, which you know makes sense. It's your kid. Well, you're right. right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's right. your instinct to protect your right. kid, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're faced with something where. You're powerless, right? So it's and it's so two day again two days. We're at Children's. Uh, we didn't have to get um, admitted, 
as I had taken her to South Shore and I said, yep, she's she's diabetic. And they let us go home because I had the knowledge and they gave her some insulin. And then we just went into Children's uh, for like a full day on, on a Saturday and full day on Sunday uh, and just all the information. And I, like I said, I knew all the stuff, but I was just, I was really trying to help my wife uh, and get her to learn how to use a yeah. syringe. And, and my daughter was, she, I mean, she was really not too bad with it, to be honest with you. She, we came home from Children's on the Saturday and she, we had all the information. We had like, we left Children's Hospital. It looked like I had I had carry out for about right. you know for an army, yeah. like bags and bags of of medications and um and you know kits and all this stuff. And she got her kid out to show her brother and sister. Watch, look at this, look at this, mm-hmm. and and the neighbors. So it was like you know she's got this and yeah. wow. she's very um she's very hard headed. My 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 daughter is and she's stubborn. And I try to tell my wife, which is which isn't good all the time. <laughs> you know it's it has its moments, but yeah. in in a situation like this. To be, um, to be hard-headed and stubborn and want to do your own thing, it's good for the care of your diabetes. And I told my wife that I said, you know what, this is the only situation I'll say where her personality is a good thing because she's gonna want to own it, mm. you know. And she does. I mean, there's there's still some, I don't want to say embarrassment, but there's some hesitation when like we're in public and she needs to take her pump out. Right. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, she's really not afraid. You know, she shares with her with her friends at school now and you know she wears a pump. So what's that like? So what is the day in the life? So she wakes up and what happens? So um so so basically what happens uh, for her and I, I mean you wake up in the morning, you yeah. have to check your blood sugar. Yeah. You know, you have to calibrate your your pump first thing. First thing, calibrate the pump, you got to calibrate the, the glucose monitor. What the, the pump is. So so right now with the technology, I'm on an insulin pump. It okay. looks like a pager. Okay. Um, I can show it to anybody that's on Facebook Live. So it looks like a pager. So when I first got one, you know, there's folks that are saying, you know, what, what do you live in the 90s? Like, right, I, right. I said, no, this is actually my uh, medical device. And so this delivers insulin 24 7. Directly um, under directly, your skin. Yep, it's like, yep, it's like, um, it's like having an IV at the right. hospital. Um, I have to change, we change our infusion sets every two to three days. And, and it's, and it's, embedded under the skin yeah it, well it's, not it's in, like or is it actually in a vein it's not actually no in a vein. it's on a vein it's up right. you have subcutaneous to, you have to, yeah right yeah well, it's called subcutaneous yeah. under the skin so and we have to change out every two or three days just yeah. because it doesn't get infected and so we program our pumps to what you know what the docs have said what you need on a, on an hourly basis um, remarkable yeah my i my pump is tied into my continuous glucose monitor um so this is uh this transmits uh, a reading every five minutes to my pump and the technology i have this this transmitter feeds to the pump and says, you know, this is what the sugar is, like give me this much insulin. And then when I eat, I have to tell the, the pump, because when I check myself, it automatically goes into the pump what my sugar is. And then the pump does the calculations, and I say, okay, I'm having, I have to know how many grams of carbs, you know, both of us do. Okay, I'm having 46 grams of carbs. I put that in the pump, and it does all the calculations and when it you delivers. you say you put it in the pump, you actually I have to put in program it, 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 yeah, program it, it asks you in. how many carbs you're having. Right. Um, and then we put, so we put it in and then the pump delivers it. And, and, and for those, uh, so can you just explain to people why, peop- why you need to count carbohydrates? So, so carbohydrates get broken down and they, and they break down into sugar. Into sugar, um, that's so right. So it's what it's really all about. So that's one about. of the things about diabetes that people don't understand. Like it's, it has, it, I don't want to say it has nothing to do with sugar, but it's not the sugar, it's the carbohydrates. That's right. So we have to be like, we have to be nutritionists, we have to be mathematician, mathematicians, I mean, because we need to, f- you know, and we go to see these professionals, but it really has a lot to do with how you, like your timing of eating certain foods, like 
protein before carbohydrates to help break it down because you know you have fast acting carbs that they go into the bloodstream and they spike them so we have to try to eat foods that don't spike the sugars really way which which actually is something that's good for all you know it's a it's a healthy diet it's no there's no diabetic diet it's actually a diet that we should all carry on I, I mean and that leads you know to this other part because you've been able to take what could be for some people you know devastating but you've taken it and you've created a career i mean you're yep i mean you're for those of you who cannot see tyson is in amazing shape and and he's wearing this for those on the he's radio a personal trainer you per, i know oh, that okay. that's what i'm sure. getting to and sure. he's wearing <laughs> mark yeah. Just checking. You know, Mark and I sometimes will tell jokes, and he will take my punchline. Just no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just so, away from me. Take but, away from me. But, I've but never he's, done he's wearing that. this thing. That's like no, never done that. This blue. <laughs> it's almost like, like a blue bandaid on his arm, yeah. and that's the monitor. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the other glucose monitors. But that one. What did you say? That one that has. So this a is a gl- continuous glucose monitor. It's a transmitter right. that that's it's a um, transmitter. Yeah, that connects to my pump. To the pump. And my daughter. I'm um, speaking of transmitter, so she's on a different type. And her trans her transmitter actually goes to her iPod, and then my wife and I, and then school nurse, so get the numbers it. on our phones. Great, because that was my question: that is that like, What is, do you do when she goes to school? What a great way yeah. to use technology. I mean, yeah. when you talk about like, so when you have a child that's diagnosed, it's, imagine having an infant again. You don't sleep, right? And so for the two months before she was on a transmitter, like you're up every two hours. Mm. to check and make sure it's not high or low. So as soon as the transmitter came, it's just a total peace of mind because we get all the numbers. And now, going to, same thing with going to, the, going to school. Um, you, you, we can always see it, and we get alarms if it's going high or low. So it's, it's, very, it's, it's very helpful. Um, and the nurse is getting the same alarm. Yeah, so the nurse hasn't. So as long as she's on Wi-Fi and the school gives her the Wi-Fi, the nurse has, the school gave the nurse an iPad, and she has the same share app that we have, and she gets she gets all Great. the alarms and can get get her down to if she needs to fix her or if she needs a snack, and it's 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 just it's it's very it's 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 helpful to know what her sugars sure. are all the time, and it's you know sometimes it's off a little bit, but even for me, you know, um, I'll get alarmed if I'm going low. My wife will tell you that she um, it keeps her awake because I'm a heavy sleeper. She's not so much of a of a heavy sleeper at all <laughs> so for years it was like you know she would wake me up and kick me because I'm, I'm going off like if i'm going high or if i'm low she'll wake me up and, and go like i wake up most of the time when i'm going low because you get that feeling that tell them what that tell the audience so when you're when you're going is. low if you're if you're lucky you feel it um, going low means your blood sugar yeah, blood is sugars, low yeah. uh very shaky sweaty like just hungry and they say okay yeah you only need 15 grams of carbs which is like a which is like a sandwich um or like a um a, a juice or whatever but literally as a type 1 diabetic you go to the kitchen and you have that and then you eat until you feel normal yeah and then you should of course then you go up and then your sugars go high but yeah. but it is it's a it's a bad feeling because you know you you don't know if it's going to continue to drop yeah. you know i checked it was up the other morning it was at 42 whoa and so you're sitting there like whoa. okay i hope i hope because you want to sit there and eat until you feel normal because you never know if you're going to keep going low you know it's, it's something it's Type one diabetes is it, it's the only thing consistent about it is that it's inconsistent. Mm, you know, so yikes. you can be fine one day and then, like I said, so it kind of it's a fear every time you get that that low low feeling. Mm. And luckily with technology, it's not you know you, you can really get ahead of it, but you get to that feeling where you're like you're shaking, you're sweaty, and it's just like yeah. No, I mean I, I I'll be honest. I, so I I was diagnosed with type two diabetes many years ago, and I remember that low feeling. I was on yeah. a medicine called glibazide, and it was. You know, just started it, and I remember that feeling. This like the world caving in on you, and my peripheral vision was going. I started yep. to really 
you feel really out of yeah. sorts. Tingly. But 42, yeah. wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's terrifyingly low. Yeah. I've been lower, and I've known people to get lower, like in their 30s, Ugh. 20s, you know, it's bad. And, and so that's how, you know, other type 1 diabetics die because of sugar lows. They that's don't, right. They is, take that the, uh, is that the diabetic that shock insulin, or well, coma or the... What is that? What is that term that you hear? So because insulin shock. I mean, is it is it low blood sugar? Sometimes your blood sugar can be so high also yeah. that okay. you that you yeah. you can't because you hear function. the stories of a diabetic who's home alone, and they take too much insulin yeah. or or yeah yeah right. yep. you just go so low that your body doesn't. I mean, your organ everything shuts down. Right. There's there's. You're basically an overdose on insulin, and that's it. I mean, it happens by mistake sometimes. Right. It's very scary. I mean, it's like, oh, my God. Like, we're, we're taking a medication that if you take too much, you could die. Right. If you don't take enough, you could die. I mean, you've right. got to be pretty pretty precise. Right. And you have to know everything you're you're eating. You know, yeah. like, we have to worry, of, like, if we feed our daughter, okay, we're having, she's having 50 grams of carbs. And if there's something on her plate that she, like, doesn't like or doesn't want, okay, well, now we got to have something else. Right. Yeah. Because you're counter for that. Yeah. And you can't take it away. You know? Wow. I, I have several very good friends with uh, with type 1, and sometimes it's remarkable. They, You know, we can be doing something in a rehearsal or doing something, and they just take out their insulin and just give themselves an injection. It's it's remarkable. I've, I've seen other people, like, go, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. You know? But that's... That's Dug how. In the life. That's well, that's yeah. your life. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of a quiet disease. I mean, there's people that um, you know have said, "Yo, you don't look like a diabetic," or you know, "You don't look sick," things like that. And it's just because you know, a, a type one diabetic, and usually, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I was one of them for a while. Just you, you go among your business, you because you want to fit in. You don't want to be singled out as being, you know, being sick or anything. So you, you just go on like nothing's going on. And I have, you know, luckily I have uh, a, a nice support group, and all my clients know I'm diabetic. You know, I wear my transmitter proudly. Um, but but that's what it is. It's it's a it's a quiet disease mm. um, that people don't. Just, that's why people don't know about it. I mean, there's over a million people uh, in the U.S. that have it. Um, and it just you know, we, like I said, we kind of want to we kind of want to fit in and just not be singled out so so much. But it's it's important it, is, for people is, to know. Is it really only a, a million? I, no, there's there's, there's, a, there's a million and a quarter. There's like one. I think the latest data was like 1.25 million with type one. With type one. With type, type one. And type, type two. But, but overall, it's like 30, like over 30 million or. Are diabetic type right. one, type two, and pre-diabetic. Right, right, and and this, you know, this was part of, of the dilemma. Remember, folks, we we use this thing called the I am approach. You know, everyone's doing the best they can, so we're really focusing not just on the biological domain of the I am, but how that biological domain influences all your other domains. Right, yep. right? all the domains are interconnected: your home, your social domain, the biological, the I see. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? That's part of where stigma is living, either in the opioid crisis or type 1, type 2 diabetes. But the stigma is how does someone view another person who's just doing the best they can? They happen to have diabetes. Right. They happen to be addicted to opioids. You know, and, and you know, I hope people don't get annoyed with me for lumping these things together. The reality is that we do this to people all the time. We judge other people. We say, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you. What's going on? How come you're not doing better? For God's sakes, we're in an IM. Right. We're simply doing the best we can. So have you faced that part? And we were talking a little bit about that offline, at least not offline with our Facebook folks. But the stigma, what about that? Yeah, I've, I've done the best I can, uh, I think, in the 17 years as, as an educator. You know, I got into personal training. Um, 
you know, I, I have my diabetes and exercise class at the gym, you know, doing the Renegade Run. It's really because people don't know, you know, I don't want to I don't want to call it, you know, ignorance, but people don't know what they're not involved in. Mm-hmm. So it's so I just try to educate like the, I get these comments once in a while. I said, like, no, nope, this actually is my life saving device that delivers a medication to keep me alive. Um, you know, I have type one. Um, because my pancreas doesn't work, so I, I really try to just educate. Because you know, there's there's lots of diseases diseases I don't know about that someone might have. Um, so it just you have to be willing to to educate and be educated. Uh, so I try to instill that on a lot of folks, and, and we try our best to to help people raise the awareness of, of what it really is. Uh, so I you know it, it's it's the reason type one diabetes is the reason I'm here today, obviously, but it's the reason I got into training. Um, and then, you're, like you said, the, the aquarium is because of it. You know, my right. my my physical fitness um, because of that too. You know, I don't know if I would have worked out as hard as I was as I do because of it. Well, in in psychiatry, we have a term for this. It's called sublimation, where you take these difficult feelings and you make something really positive out yep. of them. You know, and and that's certainly what you've done. And, and so now, let's you know, we've got a little time. Tell us about Renegade Run. So we are coming up on our seventh year. Um, we, uh, we we go over, uh, so the DCR owns Wampatuck, uh, they're part of Wampatuck State Park in Hingham. Um, so we've been over there. DCR? Yeah, so the Department of um, Conservation and Recreation. Okay, okay. So they have all sorts of, you know, parks and, and everything like that around here. So we, we decided we wanted something local. Um, and so this course that we have coming up is a four-mile run. You know, a three-mile, we figured it was, like, just kind of too easy. Five miles, a little too much. So we settled on four miles <laughs> right in the middle. Oh, that's right. You're, you're a personal trainer. Yeah. I yeah. love that. But we, have, but we have Three young miles kids. was we have, too easy. Yeah. yeah. But okay. we have, we have, we have young great. kids. We have young kids. We, yeah. have, we have older folks. Um, it's great. We have, so we've had this, this thing, like, we wanted it to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's nothing crazy. Like we don't punish people for not doing obstacles. No. There's no mud. There's no electricity. Like I said, it's just it's it's a run with obstacles, you know. And we have like we've turned it into having we've turned it in from like the what, first. What year. kind of obstacles there, are, are well, there? Yeah. It's hard. There's there's tunnels You've to crawl underneath. Yeah. Yeah. You've been sponsoring yeah. this for a long time. Is that I, right? I have. Yeah. So yeah, Mark is one of Mark is one of a few sponsors we've had from like we have a we have a bunch of sponsors, but Mark <laughs> has been with us since the beginning. Oh. So the first year. The first year was a three-mile course, although we, we, we had marked it for four, but we had some technical issues. You and marked really it only for three. four? Well, right. we, had the, that's mark. we had the apps, yeah. Right. Um, so that was a little snafu, but there was like, you know, two or three hundred people at the first race. Wow. You know, it was like there was ten obstacles, I think. And then it just grew and grew and grew, so we, uh, we changed the date from, we wanted to end at the beginning of the race, like in 2011, we wanted the race to, to end out like Diabetes Awareness Month, which is November. Mm. So we said, oh, let's do it at the end of the at the end of the month. So we did that in a little cold. Kind of cold. Yeah, too cold. So we moved it back to October a couple of years ago, um, and we changed the location from the front of the park all the way to the back in the campgrounds. Mm. Uh, and now we have this huge festival area. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. So Mark, so Mark, along with um, Honeydew Associates, um, they were one of our f- uh, first two sponsors, uh, and then um, Global Vision Advisors um, in Hingham. I think um, they they have been a sponsor for a, a long while too. Uh, so we we pick up all these no, new let's sponsors. Hear, let's yeah, let's hear the sponsors. So I we, think, I, let's do the sponsors because yeah. yeah. I think these people deserve that recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, so Tyson. so this year we have uh, our sponsors. Uh, like I said, Honeydew Associates, uh, Styles Law, of course, um, Michelle Lenard Real Estate Group. Uh, we have Global Vision Advisors, like I said, uh, Spalding Rehab, uh, Hawks Lacrosse Gym, 
TA Fitness is a gym in Weymouth. Uh, they've been a sponsor for a couple of years. Uh, we have the Old Derby Animal Hospital. Uh, he's been a sponsor for, for a number of years as well. Um, the Marshfield Boys and Girls Club. Actually, Great. we are um, holding some course, uh, some classes there uh, in September. Um, to get ready for it? Yeah, so we have three of our new obstacles being built um, that will be installed uh, hopefully this weekend. And what we're going to do is we're going to be at the uh, flag football kickoff event. Uh, on the cool. ninth, and then we're going to hold three classes for adults and three classes for kids. Uh, the kids will be on um, Wednesday, the twelfth, nineteenth, and twenty-sixth, I believe. And these uh, are classes about diabetes. Well, no, this is actually the they're going to be on the obstacle course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. How, to how to do the obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. And then the adult classes. Yeah, you should go. We can go to the well, kids well, one. Psychiatry, in many ways, is an obstacle yeah, course. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we're going to have the uh, we're going to have the the uh, adult class on the, the Sunday, so the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th. Huh. Um, so they can find all that stuff on the I, site. I, I, but I, let's just go with that. So, yeah. so those are going to be held where? The Marshfield Boys and Girl Club. Marshfield right Boys down the and street. Girl? That's great. Yeah. Come on, folks. Come yeah, on yeah. out for that. Um, so so they're a big sponsor. We also have um, Flaherty Insurance Agency, um, Social Orthopedics. Um, we have uh, the Massachusetts National Guard is going to be there. Cool. Um, I think they're going to bring a, bring a big um, inflatable obstacle uh, course. Um, hippies, which is uh, ch like a chickpea uh, yeah. chip, almost. Yeah, they're really good, but their bags are like like one ounce bags, and they can. It's like you know, you can't eat just one. No. Yeah. Um, and then Power Crunch is there with some uh, protein bars. Uh, Mighty Swell. Uh, WATD obviously is a big sponsor. We do some PSAs with cool. them. We love, we love WATD. Yep. Um, and the U.S. Army is going to be there. And um, we have uh, the band. We have a band. So cool. it's a live band now. Before it was just like someone plays their iPod and yeah. you know plays some speakers. But so we have first class band in Conchetta. They're, wow. They're, um, yeah, they're a big hit. They've this is their second year. Um, Coming in there, they were great them. last yeah. year. Yeah, and you uh, do food. Tr you bring in food trucks. Yeah, so uh, Mom on the Go is going to be there as well as uh, Mangia. Nice. So wow. These, yeah. So we have. So it's, it's a, a it's a huge event. festival. It sounds you know? incredible. It's yeah. great. We have a mini renegade course um, for the kids that are like you know are younger than seven. So, um, so and that's when again? So yeah, let's just give it give the info yep. one more time. So where is it? So it's at Wampatuck State Park in Hingham on Sunday, October fourteenth. Uh, the the event starts at nine. We have heats that start at nine fifteen and go every fifteen minutes till eleven forty five. Um, you can find out all the information at www.type1renegaderun.com. That's the number one. Um, no, sorry, not the number one. It's the word one. So O N E. And you um, can register to run. You can there register. Well. Yep, on renegaderun.com. You can register. Type1renegaderun.com. You can register there. You can donate. Um, we're always looking for more sponsors. Great. Um, we have a donation page. Um, if you look on it, actually, we have a peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. Where I, so my story uh, is on there to try to raise money. Um, it's a um, very emotional story that um, I, I can't read without um, getting emotional. But um, Well, maybe you'll come back and read some of that for us. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's great. It's a great cause. Like I said, we we donate right directly to Dr. Faustman, uh, and she's right. she. And I hope hopefully my daughter and I are in that trial at some point. We get that vaccine and you know come back in a couple of years and that we're. we're and uh, Facebook friends, we just posted it in one of the comments for this show. We have the website on there, so go on there and click right through and join us on October 14th. That'd be great. Tyson, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. So remember, guys, the I am approach. Small changes can have big effects. Here's that small change with this fellow 21 years old. All of a sudden, things start changing. Turns out he's got type 1 diabetes. But the other thing is you control no one, you influence everyone. Right. 
and what an amazing influence you're being on all these people. It's so appreciated. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who I hope have learned a lot about diabetes yeah. in this show. I'd like to say I have type 1 diabetes, but type 1 diabetes does not have me. There you go. Awesome. Nicely done. Thanks, folks. See you next week. <laughs>